Greetings and hello again. This is Pastor Charles Brithume, and this is the Planting Hope Ireland podcast. And I'm glad you're joining me today. If you're obviously, if you're listening, uh, appreciate you tuning in for this uh, episode. We are going to be doing, uh, looking kind of a part two of a. Did one episode a while back on types and shadows, and I, I was dealing there with more of uh, the types and shadows in relation to the to the um, plan of salvation. And I, I want to go back because there's been a lot of question uh, pertaining to uh, the 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 types and the shadows, of the Old Testament, and the in in regards to the to the New Testament plan, the New Covenant that we're under. Or some people don't like to call it the Old Testament and the New Testament or the Old and the New Covenant, but rather the first and the second. However you want to put it, that's fine. But we're going to look at that today because this is a question I've taught many, many Bible studies to individuals through the years and and people often have questions, and I did when I come to the knowledge of this uh, of this way, this truth, uh, when I was 24 years old. And um, I, I had to search it out, and I had questions for my pastor, and, and I'd done a lot of Bible study myself. And so over the years, I've learned a lot, a lot but yet there's still a lot to learn. So I, I want to look at it. People often ask when they read the new, the Old Testament, which is uh, much longer than the New Testament. There's a lot more to read, but the, when, especially when they get into the to the books of uh, Exodus, the, what they what they uh, what they call the Torah, and you read uh, the book of uh, Exodus. Leviticus, especially, uh, even the, some of the others, Numbers, even Deuteronomy, and you and you'll see some of those things coming on. But the laws, you see the laws and the different things that uh, happen, especially the Mosaic law. Um, I'm kind of stumbling here, but I'll get it out. <laughs> I'll get it going here. Just bear with me. But um, I like to do this just in one go, so I kind of. I don't go back and edit uh, too much. I just like to just leave it as I am. So um, yeah, to put up on my stumbling and and things. But so the you read the Old Testament law and you you start reading all these commandments that were given, or even prior to that, the things that God so told some of the patriarchs, and then you then you look at today. And um, and you wonder what happened to some of those things. Where did they go, and and so forth. So we're kind of going to answer some of that, and um, we're going to look at some of that. But I, I'm going to start reading with a, a very important reading from the book of Colossians, and because um, I am going to I am going to talk about uh, some things in particular. Uh, uh, especially when it comes to like the holy days or the dietary laws or Sabbath days, because that's usually where I've always get the questions. And um, 
I, I, I can remember different times in home Bible studies I was teaching at home or um, even in church services. I've had the question. I was an assistant pastor for about eight years back in the United States. And um, uh, I uh, had individuals ask me a question that I, I went to the pulpit when it was my time to speak and, and taught on some of these things that I'm going to share with you tonight because they asked them. Uh, so, so we'll be looking at some of the ones that really stand out that people have questions out. And we'll, we'll make mention of some obscure ones that you don't hear too much about. Um, and you'll see why. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2. I want to read from Colossians chapter 2, and I'm just going to start in verse number 6. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, his epistle or letter to uh, the Colossians. There was a church. These are Christians. These are believers. These are people who have been born again of water and spirit. And you, if you don't know what I mean when I say that, you can look at some of the other episodes I have on this podcast already uh, pertaining to Bible salvation, the new birth, as the Bible teaches it. So, so he's talking to Christian people. He's talking to people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they, are, they call themselves Christians. They, live, they are living for him, and they are... Uh, I think for the most part, probably uh, Gentiles. Uh, that is, they're not Jews, but they are. But they are filled with the Spirit. Let's read here, Colossians chapter two, verse number six. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now we could talk about a lot of things right there, but let's go on. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. This him in verses 9 and 10 is Jesus Christ. Verse number 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Stop for a moment. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But you, if you uh, are familiar with the Old Testament, you'll notice we just read about something there the Apostle Paul mentioned that was an Old Testament law, circumcision for the males. 
male circumcision on the eighth day. He gave that uh, command to uh, uh, Abram or Abraham that he was to be circumcised and all the males of his house when they were born, eight days old, to be circumcised. And, um, and he's showing here that circumcision, just like, um, well, let me just back up. He's mentioning circumcision, but he's, he's showing us what New Testament circumcision is. And we may bring this up again in a little bit, but, uh, um, it's made without hands. In the Old Testament, it was made with hands. But in the New Testament, it's made without hands. And how is that? Well, he said it, buried with him in baptism. This is the water baptism in Jesus' name, and you're also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. And that is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the resurrection. All right, so you already see there's something happening. There's a difference here. All right, where were we? Uh, verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. Then he says this, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, if we just stop there or the apostle Paul switched subjects or something, it would, it would leave you wondering right there, what does he mean? Is he meaning uh, if you take Sabbath days, if you take, you know, you, have, you obey, you keep the dietary laws, or is he saying if you do that, don't let nobody judge you because you do that? Or is he saying just the opposite? Because you don't do that, let no man judge you. Well, I would be a little confused right there if it wasn't for the very next verse who, that explains it. So verse number 17 says, let's read 16 again. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So the, what, what's the shadow? Which is, what's, what's the shadow? The meat, the drink, the holy days, the new moon, the Sabbath days. That's what he's referring to. So he said they were a shadow, as we know, if you know about it anyway, if this isn't all totally new to you today, um, those all are in, found in the Old Testament. They were commands. They were given by God. And uh, so he's saying, telling those, the church at uh, Coloss there, um, don't let anybody judge you because you're not participating in any of those things. Because they weren't. And uh, they don't, don't let them judge you because that's a shadow of the things to come. But he says, but the body is of Christ. And this is a time we're not, we're not waiting for the church to be formed. The church has already been born on the day of Pentecost. We're, this letter is after Pentecost. The New Testament church is established and spreading around the, the, the world or at least in, uh, the world at that time. And, uh, 
the people are being born again every day as God adds to the adds to the church. So so here they are, and he's he says, Don't let anybody spoil you with those things. Don't let anybody judge you with those things. Don't let anybody if you read all the preceding verses and then some more I'm gonna read, uh watch the watch the uh the philosophies and the deceits and the traditions of men and and the rudiments of the world and you know, some of those things. Uh, watch all them things. Make sure you pay attention to what you learn. And uh, you got to understand the Bible was still being completed at that time. We have a complete Bible today. But at that time, as well, as you know, this became part of the the Bible that we have today. So so they, they had a, a copy of the Word of God, but all they had was the Old Testament. And maybe they had some of the writing. I'm not a very good, a, what is it, a, the chronology as far as when the books were reading, written. I don't know if they had maybe some of the Gospels or something yet uh, or whatever, but they certainly had heard about it all anyway. So so he's Paul is explaining some things to these folks so they wouldn't be troubled. We're going to come back to some of that. But it was a shadow. The body is of Christ. The body what is the body of Christ? That's another Bible study, but it's very easy to see throughout the New Testament. The body of Christ is the church, the church of the living God. It's a universal church. It's around the world, and it has been in existence for 2,000 or some years, and it is still today on the earth. People are being born into the church, born again into the church, uh, on a daily basis around our world, even today, here we are almost the end of 2021, the church is still very much alive, very much well, very much uh, in existence in our world today and moving on. And um, But that body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church of the living God, he's the head, the church, we, the Christian people, make up his body and that body of Christ that the Old Testament is just those ordinances that he mentioned are just a shadow of the reality that now is. The body is the real tangible uh, operating the church is a living thing. It, the spirit of God is in it and it's moving and working through individuals. The spirit of God is in his church, his body, his bride, the people that will be saved, that will go to heaven. And, uh, but that, that casts the shadow, if you will. That's what the scripture says. And we're going to read some more of that because this ain't by, by no means the only place we have to read that. Let me read on here uh, and finish up this in Colossians. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. If you didn't know it, I will let you know now. We are not to worship angels. We're to worship God. We worship God. We don't worship angels. Um... 
19, and not holding the head, that's Jesus Christ, from which all the body by joints and bands have having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. That's the church. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? He's asking a question. He's not finished. But he's talking about those ordinances that he's already mentioned. The Sabbath, the holy days, and the, the worshiping of angels, and all different kinds of things, traditions of the world, traditions of men, rudiments of the world. So why are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using. That touch not, taste not, handle not, that's Old Testament. That was the shadow. There was things they weren't allowed to touch, things they weren't allowed to eat. He said they're all to perish with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of men, there's, the, there's this question. He said, You're, these things are commandments and doctrines of men now. Some of them might have had a, had a root in the word of God. They, they, they may have been in the first covenant, something that ought to be kept, but we're not in the first covenant. We're in the second. So let me finish. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So there appears to be something to it, but at the end of the day, it isn't what it looks like it is. So that will worship, that little phrase, I was kind of looking into that and... Um, from what I found on is kind of what it's, it's a self-imposed religion. You, you kind of choose it. Men sometimes choose things, uh, to impose on themselves and upon others, especially. Um, so, so I've already explained several things here, but the, the types and shadows are there. Um, it's interesting here I'm going to talk a little bit about the Sabbath day. But understand in the Old Testament, before I get into that, understand in the Old Testament, there's basically the law, what we might call the Mosaic law or all the commandments that were given, even before Moses. There's several things that the, the, the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai there were several commandments that God basically reiterated. He said it again. Um, they were already given, um, such as to Abraham, Abraham, we mentioned circumcision. And the law, the Old Testament law enjoined that. And I already explained that law is still in effect, in a, but it's been being fulfilled in a new, in a, in a fuller, more complete way. Because, I mean, as far as salvation for the soul, just making some cuts in your body is not going to change your heart. God's looking at a heart. Um, that, so it was symbolic. It was a shadow, a type of what was to come. And that is uh, being born again. 
and the, 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 it's, it's, the heart is made is circumcised. It's a cutting away of the, the old sinful nature out of our hearts. He said he'd take away our stony hearts and give us a heart of flesh. I believe it was Jeremiah said that. Um, the, the law will no longer be written on tables of stone, but upon the fleshly tables of the heart. When the, when the law is written upon our hearts, how? That's when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he's putting something in us. Amen. And that's why Jesus explained that he would send the Comforter. And the Comforter would come in his name. And he'd teach us all things. Well, it's the Spirit of God and his word always agree. And... Um, so anyway, let me not get sidetracked too much. But you, you had the the uh, the law, the law of Moses, Mosaic law. It's a fancy way of saying it, but it's the law that was given to Moses, and um, it enjoined several things. It was already given tithing. Tithing is not under the Mosaic law. Tithe existed. Uh, Abraham paid tithe. And uh, and really in type, it even existed even before that, all the way back into, uh, you can trace it all the way back to the very first family um, in the Bible, Adam and Eve and Abel. So anyway, that's another study, but that was already in place. Then the, 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 the law enjoined it, and God gave to Moses a lot of commandments, there's a lot of them. I forgot how many it was, but hundreds. There's several hundred laws. Uh, and um, But they're basically, they're divided up into three areas. You have ceremonial laws, which ceremonial laws were the laws that pertained, they all pertained to salvation in a way, um, but and in, in a way to please God and a way to make life successful. But the ceremonial laws was basically uh, a substitute to bring them to Christ, such as the tabernacle, the, the furniture, the, the brazen altar, the brazen laver, the, 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 the altar of incense, that you went into the holy place and the holiest of holies. That whole tabernacle plan uh, was a type of Jesus Christ. And that all is a type of Jesus Christ. It was all a type and shadow, a figure of what was to come. And that was Jesus. When they offered those offerings and the, the bullocks that was offered, the goats and the turtle doves, and, the, and they used the, the, the fine flour and the oil and all, and the blood was sprinkled. And it was quite a, quite a place. And all of that ministry the levi the levites took care of the ministering of the house of god the temple the tabernacle and all of that was the this part of the ceremonial law and jesus was that lamb of god that it rolled the book of hebrews talks about it it rolled their sins ahead there was a day of atonement every year and it rolled their sins ahead. And through the years, their sins of the people was pushed ahead, pushed ahead, pushed ahead until 
the cross until Jesus was crucified. And then Jesus did not, and just like he does today for us, he does not roll our sins ahead. He takes our sins away. So all the sins of God's people were rolled ahead all the way up to Calvary through the centuries of time. And in that one offering, my, that's another whole nother Bible study we could talk about. Book of Hebrews, just read. And he, he took all of those sins and he bore them upon the cross. But not did he just take away their sin. He reached ahead to us today to all the generations until he comes to take his church to heaven. He, he, he took the sin of every human being that we could be saved if we'll believe and we'll obey him. We can be saved. But he took that sin away. So the ceremonial law was a, in place. It was a substitute and to abide and take care of things so that God could commune with man. It was a way that God could work with his people and speak to his people until Jesus Christ. Amen. We in today in the New Testament church can have the spirit of God in us, each and every one of us. Whereas in those days, the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God could only be felt. That high priest went into the holiest of holies one time a year into the very presence of God. But we can enter into the presence of God every time we begin to worship him and praise him. When we get together in a, in a church service, the presence of God just begins to respond as we exalt his name and worship him in spirit and truth. And if you never felt the beautiful presence of God, I mean, it's powerful. It'll move you. It ain't just a little funny feeling. It ain't just a little goosebumps now and then. And it will do that sometimes to you. It is something, it is beautiful. It is powerful. It's glorious. And that's because God is responding. But anyway, the ceremonial laws, that's animal sacrifice and all that stuff tied up with that. The other area of laws, the commandments, fall under civil laws. As a nation, they had civil laws um, as a people, and those civil laws had to do with, um, they, they were applicable to their society. They, 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 they helped uh, Israel to function as a people. Uh, he gave them laws pertaining to their houses and the way they were their when they were in the wilderness, the way their tents was set up and and even and I hate to bring it up, but it just comes to my mind um, it was for their time it was for their time, but they one of the laws God got so specific to tell them he had sanitary laws, just like we have civil laws today regarding sanitation. God had them for Israel back then. And they were to carry a paddle on them. So if they needed to use the toilet, uh, they weren't to do it in the camp. They had to go outside the camp, do their business, and then use their paddle to, to, to cover it up with sand and dirt. And that way things were hygienic and clean and there wasn't a spreading of disease. And there was, there was laws on how to handle uh, leprosy and, and diseases and things. Uh, these are civil laws. Another civil law is 
And, and, and people, you know, you say, well, how come we don't do that today? Well, they wouldn't even work for our society today because they're not even applicable uh, in a lot of ways. And there's wisdom in them. We can glean wisdom from them. But God never intended for us to live in tents and, and things for generations. He knew technology was going to come along. We'd drive cars and build houses and all this stuff. One of the civil laws is is um, if a if a woman her if a woman was a widow her husband died, he died. She was to go and marry her husband's brother, and to carry his name on to carry that family name that lineage on, and that man who his brother had died he was to take his brother's wife. Or the widow now, and he to become his wife, and that that was the law. That was the law, and we're glad we don't have to do that today, aren't we? Well, some people want to hold to the Old Testament law, some of them, but they kind of pick and choose what they want to and what they want to hold to. Sometimes, um, that that's not in effect. Um, we don't have to do that. Um, they got allowed in the old time. Oh, I'm going to open a can of worms now. But God kind of allowed plural, plural marriage back then. Um, some of them had two, three, four, five wives. And if he was uh, Solomon, he had several hundred wives and concubines. Well, God intended for us to have one. One. Anyway, that's another thing. So that's civil laws. I know I'm being long on this, but there's a reason. You need to understand there's ceremonial laws that were filled in Jesus Christ. There's civil laws that pertain to their generations and for the times that they were needed. Um, there, was, there was laws about how to handle the, the, the um, animals that they had. If they had a ox that pushed with the horn, it said, he, he's known to charge, you know, other other oxen or or people if he was dangerous um that that uh israelite that farmer if you will he was to do something about that oxen he weren't just you weren't to just keep him around when he's dangerous and that that's some good wisdom today um you know people could apply that to the dogs they have you got a mean dog you got a dangerous dog well make sure you keep him away from people uh, <laughs> you're gonna end up with a lawsuit <laughs> anyway, or worse than that, worse than a lawsuit, a hurt, a hurt child or something. That'd be terrible. So anyway, we ought to, if we know we have that, we ought to be careful. So there was ceremonial laws, there's civil laws, and there's moral laws. That's the third category, the moral laws, morals. And uh, we live in a society today that is getting more and more immoral all the time. Why? Because they're drifting further and further away from God. Because the moral laws is what describes God's character. That, that's who he is. He's holy. He's clean. He, he, he's truth. So the moral laws are unchanged. They stand forever. Um, such as, you know, he told them back then, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Thou, 
don't commit adultery. Uh, don't, don't, uh, he's told them not to make any graven images. That's not a ceremonial law. That's not a, a civil law. That's a moral law. Don't make them. Don't, because you worship, it's, it's against the word of God to worship an image. He wants us to worship him. And God is a spirit. He's universal. I mean, universal. he feels the universe. He's beyond that. He, he, he is omnipresent, omniscient, and uh, he's everywhere at the same time. He's all powerful and all knowing. He's omnipotent. He's a great God, but we worship him in spirit and in truth. Not through images. And that's one of the commandments. Don't make images. Um, We don't bear false witness. And that's that's lying. Lying about somebody else. Making up a story. Um, Those are morals. They stand today. They never change. Because that's his very character. So, now... So you have to, when you read those laws in the Old Testament, you have to understand a little bit, and it's it's not too hard to understand if you will just pay attention to the Scripture and open your heart to them, what category they really fall in. And uh, most of it is very apparent. Most of it, it is very apparent. And... Um, a lot of people question the Ten Commandments, and uh, I, I don't hold me to this, but somebody seems like somebody has said that all nine of the Ten Commandments are mentioned in the New Testament, but the one about the Sabbath is not reiterated in the New Testament. But it, but it is. It does talk about it, and there's a reason it does not repeat it. Uh, the same way as it does in the Old Testament. And that's because, again, like so many ceremonial laws, it is a ceremonial law. It's not a moral law. Um, it was a particular day. That's not a, a moral thing. Uh, morals have to do with the character and the, of your heart, and the, your spirit. Um, and it's not a, um it's not a civil law it is it's not something to do with society um although they they it did affect them but it it wasn't a necessarily a civil law but even if it was a civil law we don't keep those civil laws back then so jesus explained it and we're going to get to it i'm going to hurry now but uh as I, uh, you can read about the, the Sabbath day, and it'd do you good to study it, and you'll find it in many places in the Scripture. Uh, it first appears in Exodus chapter 16, where it mentions the word Sabbath. And you remember God rested. Now in Genesis, God rested on the seventh day. He created for six days, rested the seventh. But it wasn't until the Mosaic Law uh, that the Sabbath is mentioned. Uh, he, prior to that, there was no command given uh, to keep the Sabbath that I have found. Abraham, Noah, none of them done that. Um, 
Of course, Adam and Eve in the paradise, they, they didn't have to do it. And even after that, there was no command to start keeping the Sabbath day. Um, it wasn't until Exodus chapter 16, Moses got the law from God. And the manna, when manna fell from heaven, God fed his people in the wilderness that, that bread, that manna, and that was on the Sabbath day. That's, it looks like that's when it started. And um, so that's, that's when it started, but he, he told them to keep the Sabbath. So there were some laws. What is keeping the Sabbath? That was the seventh day. It was a day of rest. Sabbath means rest. And they were to rest. They were not to travel on the Sabbath. And the law actually, I find in the New Testament, they mentioned something about a Sabbath day journey. Now, I don't know, and you could probably find out, but I don't know how far that was exactly. And um, how that came about, because in the Old Testament, the, the law was on the Sabbath, you were to stay at home. Israel was to stay in their habitations. They weren't to, to get out and go anywhere. Um, so uh, another part of it, there was no work could be done, no type of servile work to be done anyway, not by the man of the house, not by his family, his children, his wife, his children, nobody's work, not even his servants, or his, even his animals were not to be used. And if there were any strangers in the camp of Israel, they weren't to do any work on that day either. And uh, they weren't to hire anybody to do the work for them. <laughs> and I think they tried to do some of that, but they weren't to do that. The punishment you can find on over in Exodus 31, um, 30, 31st chapter, if you if you broke the the Sabbath and there was a man who who did, um, the punishment was death. There's a lot of people believe in Sabbath day keeping today, but I never see them fulfilling the. If you break the Sabbath, you're to be put to death. They don't they don't do that. So, <laughs> well, that's because you got a little problem there. Um, yeah, anyway, we'll get into that maybe another time, but, uh, that, that brings up another thing. Um, it was a perpetual covenant and it was a sign between God and his children, the children of Israel. They weren't even to kindle a fire. And what did that mean to Israel in those days, not to kindle a fire? It meant that they... They weren't to build a fire to cook. You remember the manna, if you the manna, they was to gather on the sixth day enough manna to feed them on the seventh day. So on the Sabbath day, they weren't even allowed to cook. They were to stay home, do no work, and you couldn't even cook a meal. That's how you how you'd keep the Sabbath. And what it was intended for them to do, and it also, the scriptures find, you can find, that it was called a day in Leviticus chapter 16. It's a day to afflict, afflict your soul. 
sometimes afflicting their soul, and the scripture is uh, fasting. So, which we we believe in fasting, but uh, so there's quite a few things here to do with the Sabbath. But there is a good point that I want to share here in Exodus 31 and 13, where he said there's a, the Sabbath was a sign between Israel and God throughout their generations. And it reads like this, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Exodus 31, 13. He gives a little input as to why you're going to have a Sabbath day. So that you know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Now the Sabbath day keeping started whenever God brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them. He brought them out. And what does sanctify mean? It means to set apart, to separate, to make holy. You're separated, you're holy you're clean, separated unto God. He separated his people from Egypt, the Egyptians, which was a type, it's a type and shadow. Egypt at that time, we're not condemning Egyptians here today, but it was at that time a figure of the world, a sinful world, and uh, and he God saved them. He delivered them. They were they were baptized under the Moses in the in the in the sea and in the cloud. That's water and spirit birth and type, new birth. And they were baptized, and they God delivered them. There was salvation. He brought them out of the world, and into separated them unto Him, sanctified. And that's when it started. After He sanctified them, He brought them out. He separated them. They are now His people, not mixed in. With all the Egyptians, now they are their own people. They're, they're separated and on their own. And he says that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. Now, what is the New Testament? How are we sanctified in the New Testament? How are we separated from this ungodly, sinful world? Is there one big church building in the world and we all, every Christian has to go to that one place? We know better than that. We're all around the world. There's no commandment of such a thing. When the church began, we already see it was in all different places. And there was church in Rome, there's uh, Ephesus, uh, Galatia, Coloss, all different places, churches. You find the seven churches in the book of Revelation all over geographically. So that ain't the answer. The separation, the Bible tells us what the separation was and how we're sanctified in the New Testament. Romans fifteen sixteen says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, he's talking to Christians in the book of Romans. He's talking to the, the church that was in Rome. Or at least they were Romans, so that's Rome. And um, they were sanctified by the Holy Ghost. They had been born again, the water and spirit. 
First Corinthians six eleven says, and such were some of you. Now, Paul had just named a bunch of sinful lifestyles and he said, and such were some of you there at Corinth, that's another location, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name or yeah, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We're sanctified by the new birth. He didn't say we're sanctified by keeping the Sabbath. He said we're sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Because, well, what happened to the Sabbath? What happened to the Sabbath? Nothing, ha- I mean, nothing really happened. What happened was the type that we, we read about in Colossians, that shadow became a reality. That type became to fulfillment. That figure came to a, to a real experience. The Sabbath, the rest of the Old Testament, that day in the Old Testament is the rest in the new. It is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Isaiah prophesied of its coming. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. He mentioned, he said, this is the rest wherein you cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. He was talking about the prophesying, the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the Holy Ghost outpouring that happened on the day of Pentecost. That's why Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, come unto me. Why? And I'll give you rest. And what did he give? The Holy Ghost, the comforter. It is the rest. That is it. In Hebrews, you can read about it in the Hebrews. It explains it. I think it's chapter three. I should have wrote that down. Chapter three, chapter four, somewhere in there about entering into that rest. We've entered in to that rest. If you've been born again, this is the Sabbath. Uh, that, that type, that figure, that shadow that was, but now Paul said it's the body. It's a reality now. Amen. Let me read another place. Hebrews chapter 10 sums up a lot of things I've been saying. Verse number one, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. Sabbath day keeping, the, the animal sacrifices, um, the, there was a time they had to do that. It was the law. And um, the, the, the dietary laws is another one many people do question about. And uh, I've been asked so many times about that. And, uh, you know, those things were a type they were a type. Those were not. Those are not moral laws. Uh, whether I eat a 
well, I would eat, I would eat uh, uh, fish with scales or a fish that doesn't have scales. Um, whether I have a, a beef steak or I have a a rasher or a piece of bacon in the morning, that's that that's not moral. There's no morality in that. The scripture says that all creatures are are good for food. Every creature is good for food if it's sanctified with prayer. So if you wonder why we should pray over our food before I eat, we eat it. Now there's you something you should do right there. It's not so much what you eat. Now we we know we we should eat healthy and try to be healthy. You can't live on donuts. Um, we know we've learned better than that. We know our body won't operate living on donuts. So we try to eat decent things. But you you want to do something a little more to make your uh, your food healthy. Ask God to bless it. Jesus never eat a thing without asking God the Father to bless it. So I don't think we should either. And it says it's not sanctified unless we pray for it. I don't care if it was even a clean uh, animal because Jesus broke bread and that was clean. That was okay to eat under the dietary law, but he still asked the blessing of God on that bread. So there's you something. Why do we pray before we eat? Is that just tradition? No, it isn't. Is that American tradition? No, it isn't. It's a, it's a Bible teaching. It is a Bible principle. So as you see, these things come to fulfillment. They, they're fulfilled and they, they are made into a, I'm not a very good orator. I don't have all the good words, but they go from being figures to being the tangible and or uh, spiritual. Uh, they came they to, they just like the scripture says, they're a shadow of good things. They're not, those things are okay, but this is better, better. It's better things. And that Old Testament law, he said, it it didn't make the comers there unto perfect. For wouldn't they been, they would have been ceased to offer it if, if you could be brought to perfection. But by keeping those Old Testament laws, it's not going to bring you to perfection. It can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. Matter of fact, all that keeping, all those commands were to be kept. And really, it was just to get them from one year to the next year. That's all. Hebrews 10 and 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. That's prophecy about Jesus. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. 
He taketh away the first covenant, that he may establish the second. By the which will, let me start that again. Hebrews 10 and 10 is where I'm at now. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Notice this, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. I want to say today, if you have been born again of water and spirit, you truly have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit, is witness of the second covenant. It is witness of, that the faith in the name of Jesus Christ, it is faith in the obedience to his word, that is how you got the Holy Ghost. It is the witness that it is the right way, that it is the truth. It is the witness that your, his law is put in your heart it is a witness that the old, com- the old covenant, the first covenant, is, as he said, let me find it again. How do he say it? He taketh away the first. The first has been taken away. Most people who come in to this great way, to the New Testament church, and we call it the Apostolic Pentecostal Church, that's not a a a a uh, title. I mean, a well, it is kind of a title, but it's not some kind of official. That's just how we describe it. Um, we're the bride of Christ, the church, Christian people, the people of God. When we come into that, and most people that come into it, uh, most people have never been keeping Sabbath days or dietary laws and so forth, but some may have. But it was only when they got away from that and they reached out in faith that they got the Holy Ghost. That's how it come. Again, the moral laws from the Old Testament stand. They describe the very character of God. Love. That's why he said, what's the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. Love. And the Bible says God is love. Love. That's the greatest commandment. What's the second? Love thy neighbor as thyself. These are morals. These describe God's very character. 
He's holy. What does he say? Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Because all them things involve deceit, lying, untruth. He's holy. He's pure. He doesn't lie. God cannot lie. So, this is why Jesus, you find in Matthew chapter 12, that Jesus, at that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the ears of corn and eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did? When he was in hungered and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the shoe bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. King David, before, well, he was anointed king, but before he took the throne, him and his men found them place, they found themselves in a tough place and they were hungry and they went in to see the priest and they eat the shoe bread that only the priest was supposed to eat. And they done it on the Sabbath. But they weren't put to death. Well, you say, well, that's corruption. They didn't do what they're supposed to do. No, God didn't even want them put to death because there's a reason, because the Sabbath is to serve man. It's to serve man. That's what he's getting at. Let me read on. Or have you not read in the law how that on Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? I mean, Jesus plainly said it. They profane the Sabbath. But yet they're, 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 they're profaning that Sabbath. They're profaning it. But yet they're blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. You see, Jesus, look, is there something wrong with plucking ears of corn and eating it? They didn't wash their hands and begin to pluck it. Is there something wrong with that? No. In itself, is there something wrong with plucking corn and eating corn? No. They were hungry, so they eat. Well, they're breaking the Sabbath. But he's trying to teach them, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Don't make the, the don't make, don't flip-flop it. Don't make the Son of Man subject to the Sabbath. But Jesus, he was telling them that he, being God in flesh, is great. He, it's under him, and he has control of it. And, and he explained in another place, not in that place, you'd have to go um, into Mark's account, the gospel according to Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. You find the same story. But Mark recorded a few words here extra that Matthew didn't write down. And he said this, the Sabbath was made for man and not man 
for the Sabbath.